Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Dean Holden to my Amanda Holden. It's Justin Peach. <laughs> wow. Did you notice Amanda Holden's birthday yesterday as well? No, because I don't keep track of Amanda Holden's birthday, Justin. Oh, I don't know why I know that. <laughs> That's really embarrassing. <laughs> I, t- I tell you, I've never really understood why Amanda Holden's famous. No, Do you know I don't I mean? get it either. Because I know she's on Britain's Got Talent, but she must have done something before Britain's Got Talent to get on Britain's Got Talent. But I have no idea what it was, and I've never really looked into why. I, n- I need some sort of explanation in my life. It's going to have to be a Wikipedia search at some point in the day, just to waste a little bit of time. I assume she was probably on some soap or something. Anyway, Justin, how are you? I'm, I'm tip-top. I am tip-top. Lovely. You ready for another midweek selection of championship games? Of course. And as we were saying before we went on recording, I think it's the first full fixture list we've had for years. I genuinely think it might have been the first one this year, you know. There always seems to have been at least one game that's been called off over the past game week or what have you. But you are, of course, listening to the biggest championship-specific podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This is a midweek edition of the second tier where we run through the games. It's very swift. It's very straight to the point. But that's what you're here for, baby. Football action and it's championship action. But we, of course, have got to start off with the big news from Tuesday night. Dean Holden has been sacked as head coach of Bristol City after a run of six straight losses. Joining us now from the Bristol City podcast, BS3 Talk is Jack Dawson. Jack, what was your initial reaction to the news? It wasn't a surprise, really. I, was, I wasn't really expecting him to even make the, the game last night against Reading, so that was a surprise in itself. I thought... Yeah, I wasn't expecting it to come so soon after the final whistle, but I was sat up in the press box and he was overdue about half an hour by his press conference. So I think I could t- kind of tell something was up then. But I think as you guys mentioned on your on your pod, the football's been dreadful. We were almost sleepwalking into a relegation fight if things didn't change. The players, some of the worst back-back performances I've ever seen from City, that 6-0 against Watford and then even last night against Reading, it was only 2-0, but we didn't lay a glove with them. It's another game with only one shot on target and... Something had to change. The club have got lofty ambitions and a relegation fight doesn't doesn't match that whatsoever. And I think that was the way we were heading. Six losses in a row, can't score a goal and just hopeless at the back. If it wasn't for Dan Bentley, I'd dread to think where we'd be. So not surprised really, has to be done. Yeah, one common theme that I keep seeing from Bristol City fans and numerous accounts related to the club is people saying that Dean Holden has been dealt a tough hand. Just explain for us why that's been the case. I know the injury situation has been well documented and I don't really want to use it as an excuse, but it definitely did play its part. But I think since the appointment, Dean Holden was almost destined to fail because when Lee Johnson was sacked, the, the owners came out and said, we need someone to take us to the next level. Uh, you know, it's, it's about time to step up to the Premier League. And then they waited six weeks to appoint Lee Johnson's assistant. So I think from that point, he was almost destined to fail because the supporters weren't so much on Dean Holden's back. So he comes across a lovely bloke, very passionate, really, really wants to succeed. And we're all gutted from it didn't, I think. More of the anger resides at CEO Mark Ashton, who, you know, appointed Dean Holden in the first place. It almost seemed like he was maybe a stopgap, the 12-month rolling contract. Even on Monday night, Steve Lands and the owner came out on Radio Bristol and just didn't really have any sort of faith in Holden. It didn't come across that way. But I just think it was it was almost destined to fail. And unfortunately for Holden, he was almost a scapegoat for a lot of it. And that was always going to be the case, given the unpopular nature of the appointment. Fair enough. Well, it's the million-dollar question, Jack. Who do you want to get in? Oh, putting me on the spot there. I think a lot of us are almost half expecting it to be one of the assistants, Keith Downing or Paul Simpson, but I'd like to see Paul Cook, given that last night a lot of the players 
weren't showing the right amount of commitment. They weren't putting their weight. They weren't communicating. They weren't any leaders. I think he would set that right in a, in a heartbeat. I think Ryan Lowe at Plymouth is an interesting one. Obviously taking them from League Two to now mid-table in League One, based in the South West, and the club seemed to like a, a young, upcoming manager, which Lowe certainly is. So I think he'd be almost a, a wild card suggestion. The Cowley brothers would, would fit in. They'd be kind of the suitable men too. I think they uh, have spoke highly of the job and the club in the past. I think that, that would go amiss. I think Eddie Howe is the dream, of course, but whether we get him, I highly doubt it. But given that he likes a project and we are ultimately a project with a, a club with a long-term vision, then I think it would be perfect for him. I just don't think he'd come here. I just hope that we go for a bit of championship experience this time and not mess it up like we did last time. And how difficult a task has the new manager got obviously we've mentioned the injuries loads the chairman recently came out and said he was worried about the club getting involved in a relegation battle so they've got a hefty job ahead of them haven't they for me the real mission will come in the summer because we're gonna have to do a bit of a, a bit of an overhaul to be honest of the squad so many players running out of contract liam walsh jamie patterson andy vyman from our jeju the two fullbacks pretty much barge de silver and i think we were sparring to a relegation fight under Dean Holden, but I think the new manager will come in and halt that. We're still 11 points clear, and I think we'll get a bit of a bounce because the players can't be any worse, quite frankly, than they have been under Holden in recent weeks. So players like Naki Wells, you know, can't be as bad, surely. You'd like to hope anyway, but I think we'll be OK. I think we'll limp over somewhere in 15th place. The squad is unba- unbalanced, yes, but I think the starting lineup still has enough quality. If you can get JJ and Wells firing and patterning behind them, we'll be... More than good enough to survive, in my opinion. Cooker back to bite me, yes, but I think we'll be, I think we'll be okay in that front. But just ahead to the next season, I think the manager has got a real job on their hands in the summer, whoever it may be. But I think long term, it was definitely the right decision. But yeah, they got a bit of a job to do in the summer. Cheers, Jack. Yeah, I think he did a very good job of summing up things from a Bristol City perspective. There, um, there seems to be a a consensus, really, a general consensus around. Bristol City's decision and that's pretty much what Jack just said but Justin what is your reaction from the uh the perspective of a neutral it had to happen didn't it the the run of form not only has the run of form been poor but the performances have been just dreadful you know I alluded to it at the weekend that they are they were the second worst team in terms of shots conceded Daniel Bentley's kept them in games pretty much all season well I say it kept them in games but it's you know He's kept the scores down in some as well. Um, and in terms of chances created, they're bottom of the table. It was a recipe for relegation. Um, there are a lot of issues facing the new manager for Bristol City that comes in. But going back to Dean Holden, I mean, he had the rug pulled from under his feet with the injuries. I, I feel for him because I feel like it, I feel like he has a if he has a fully fit squad, I think he finishes mid-table to top half. And it's something to build on. But because of the injuries to key players throughout the season... It just at no point did he could get could he get a consistent team going and therefore a consistent run of form going. So that's that's my concern. I like the guy. I think he's really. I think he's um, uh, you know a, a good guy, and I think it will be a, a will, he will be a good manager at some point. Yeah, the most standout thing for me from this news is that Bristol City fans aren't celebrating like oh it's about time he's gone. Most seem actually quite sad, and they're saying that it's not his fault. And you can't fault his passion. We've said that plenty of times. He desperately wanted Bristol City to succeed with him in charge. Every game he celebrated like it was an FA Cup final. Um, But ultimately, well, first off, he was the cheap option. I don't think there's much (laughs) debating around that. When he was brought in at the start of the season, there were more expensive options, but they decided to give him a chance. And initially, it looked like 
it was paying off, but he has been dealt a tough hand. I don't think there's any debate around that, really. I think there is an argument to be made that he was out of his depth, potentially. He only had a bit of real managerial experience before, and that was a short spell at Oldham six years ago. And the performances have really been poor recently, even though there was a horrible, horrible injury list. Um, he still couldn't find a way to turn that around. And I feel like even if you have had a ridiculous amount of injuries, a good manager would still be able to find a way to, you know, squirm out results. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I wouldn't say a good manager, an experienced manager. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's yeah. a better way of saying it. Um, but going back to it not being his fault, um, the club is struggling at the moment and whoever comes in has got a tricky tricky old time, hasn't it? Before we get on to that, though, it is worth pointing out as well, I don't think the club were at any point ever 100% behind him. Um, and I think that's been shown by the transfer business that they've done. They paid a million for Joe Williams, but he's barely played this season because of injury. The only other two permanent signings they made were Chris Brunt and Chris Martin, two players who are getting on and uh, ultimately passed their best. Whereas when you look at uh, Lee Johnson, the past few transfer windows, he's had a lot of money that's been given to him. But with Dean Holden, they didn't think that was the case. So, yeah, I don't think he really got the backing from the club. And in a way, they were almost expecting him to fail in some ways, I suppose. So the big question is, Justin, who do you want to see Bristol City get in? <laughs> it's it's the go-to answer because for, for a manager at this level who's available, is it's Paul Cook. It's just, it is Paul Cook. Um, I, I feel that if that Wigan team didn't get ripped apart last season, Paul Cook would have got them this season. Ripped apart and relegated, that is. Paul Cook would have got them to on the, the edge of the playoffs I, I, I've i got that feeling um, and it's just a shame we weren't able to see it because we're seeing all of those players that he had pretty much competing for, for, for the top half or, or for the playoffs so it has to be Paul Cook it should have been Paul Cook um, after Chris Hewton said no to him in the summer as well yeah, Paul Cook's the obvious one. The, it is worth pointing out they had better options available to them and Dean Holden was appointed in the summer, the likes of Chris Hewton. I mean, even Mick McCarthy now, you've got to say, would have been yeah. a decent before yeah. appointment. Um, Ryan Lowe was an interesting one. Ooh. When when the announcement was made last night, I was instantly thinking to myself, who should take over the job? And Ryan Lowe stood out because when I was looking through Bristol City's past managers and they like seemingly going for young-ish managers with links to the southwest, and Ryan Lowe ticks those boxes. However, according to the Bristol Post, they are aiming more for an experienced manager this time. So that would insinuate Paul Cook, I suppose. Um, I can't really think of too many other experienced managers who are available at this moment in time. Whenever we have a vacant manager's job, it's always the usual suspects who seem to crop up, like John Terry and what have you. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm guessing Paul Cook might be the man. Yeah, certainly Paul Cook, but Ryan knows a really good shout. I actually put him in my, my article um, for the Bournemouth manager's role. Um, he's, a, he's a very good manager, and experienced or not, he will get your team playing football. So that's a good option. That's a very good option. Yeah, he's accomplished quite a bit in his short time at Plymouth, and he's still quite young. And mm -hmm. I imagine at some point we will see him in the Championship, whether that's Bristol City or not. 
I'm going to say no because, as I say, they, they seem to be going for an experienced manager. Um, but Paul Cook, I think, will be a good appointment. They need a manager who is going to get these players round the scruff of the neck and say, right, we're in a bit of trouble here. You need to pull your socks up and actually, you know, start pulling your weight because it's still quite a talented squad, even though they have had so many injuries and they really shouldn't be doing as bad as they are. But let's talk about the game which got Dean Holden the sack, Justin. It was a 2-0 loss at home to Reading. Dean Holden wanted a reaction to the 6-0 loss at the weekend and didn't get it, did he? They didn't lose 6-0. That's a positive. <laughs> um, no, it, it, was, uh, it wasn't a difficult game for Reading. Um, the, the, the two goals pretty much summed up Bristol City in a nutshell. The first one um, Elise, Elise's ball to Zhao was fantastic and Zhao's touch was just unreal um, he's got no right to bring the ball down in that position and the fact that there's no defender being aggressive and getting into him is, is quite telling um, and, and as well as that there's really not much to say about Bristol City because they didn't threaten Reading at any point and they, they conceded two very easy goals and that's pretty much been the staple for them especially over the last six games um, it, was, it was just a very very easy win for Reading yeah, I don't think Bristol City were necessarily any better than they were at the weekend. I, mm. I, I don't think Reading really got out of second gear, and that's quite a damning thing from a <laughs> Bristol City perspective, that Reading just kind of pushed them aside. Uh, Michael Lillise was class again. He seemed to have a quieter spell around New Year's time and I suppose that is going to be expected isn't he because he's just a young lad so we can't expect him to be absolutely brilliant every single week but now in the past couple of games he seems to be back in form and that's good news for Reading. Uh, Michael Morrison's goal was amazing as well. <laughs> Do you remember a couple of weeks ago when Scott Malone scored that worldy goal and he said at no point did Scott Malone know what he was doing. I'm kind of getting a similar thing with Michael Morrison here but it was amazing nonetheless. Um, but yeah, Reading were very comfortable here and it ultimately led to Dean Holden's removal as manager. But let's move on, Justin, and we'll start off by talking about the race for automatic promotion. We had a West London derby between QPR and Brentford, which finished 2-1 to Rangers. Brentford had gone 21 games unbeaten and have now lost 2-2, two two, Justin. Yep. It's you know are we starting to see cracks in this Brentford side? Not only is it back to back defeats, but I think the last three performances have been particularly poor. They were poor against Borough. I know they won four one, but we've said several times that Borough could have been four one up. They were poor on Sunday against against Barnsley, and they seemed quite sluggish in this game. It became very sloppy for Brentford. Um, for, uh, Tariq Fosu was quite poor. He's been one of the form players, and when he went off. At no point did Brentford look like scoring again. So, yeah, it was it was a poor game from Brentford's perspective and um, not what you need at a key point. I think I've said before as well that the key thing for Brentford is how they handle um, sort of you know get, getting knocked down essentially because last mm. season they had that Barnsley result which it felt like they took the wind out of them. I know they got a result against Swansea, but the playoff final just seemed like a, a step too far. They've got to quickly get performances up again because as I say it's three poor performances in a row and it's not it's not a good habit to have well the thing that stood out for me was that this was a game of few chances but the two goals that Brentford conceded were just two moments where they just didn't clear their lines they weren't great defensively and it ultimately cost them interestingly Ethan Pinnock 
didn't start in this game. I'm not sure if he was injured or whether it was just a rest, but if it was just a rest, that seems to be a, an awful decision in hindsight because I'm not sure he would have let those two goals happen. Um, and you expect better from a Brentford team defensively because we, we always go on about how good they are going forwards, but their defensive side of the game is sometimes very underrated, but they really let themselves down here. And you have got to wonder whether this is crack starting to show. I mean, this time last week, they were looking unbeatable. They were like a runaway train. And now they've suffered two losses, two poor losses, really. It's not been two losses where they were unlucky to lose or they've just lost. They were sloppy in both of those games and now we're at a point where we don't really know what to expect from this Brentford side and Thomas Frank will be hoping that they can get back on track very soon but let's not take anything away from QPR who were phenomenal weren't they and now top of the form table they are flying under Mark Warburton yeah they are um their resurgence is 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 great and they were always a threat from set pieces in this game which when you're coming up against a Brentford side who are as you say, underrated defensively. Defensively, they are very organised. You know, having that that threat from set pieces is is so important. And um, when you've got players that come in, like Sam Field, like Charlie Austin, they come in in January. Sometimes it takes ages to make an impact, but these two have made an impact. Obviously, Sam Field's debut and Charlie Austin has just been rolling, rolling, rolling. When you got players like that, and I'm just falling in love with Charlie Austin all over again. It's it's good to see. Yeah, he. He has really led this QPR revival, hasn't he? And they are going well. They've pulled themselves away from the relegation battle and things were all looking rosy at the Kyan Prince Foundation Stadium. Uh, let's move on. Swansea 1, Forest nil. Connor Roberts getting the goal. He's got some bloody leap on him, hasn't he? My word, what a header that was. It's like, he leaps like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a, a target man in his prime, like like Steve Howard when he, when he scored 20 goals for Derby's promotion season. The, the, the guy's just... In fact, it's Ronaldo, isn't it? Ronaldo was the first person okay. who came to my mind, but he brought up Steve Howard. <laughs> Such a unique <Yeah>. reference. <laughs> Not many will get that. But yeah, no. it's, 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 like, it's like Ronaldo's leap at the, at the far post. It's, 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 yeah, it's a, it's a very good trait. Um, I, I, the, the game in, in itself was quite interesting because Forrest were the better side, I thought. Um, and... Um, when again, Swansea very good defensively. They're always going to be in a game. It, what Forest did actually really well was cut passing lanes into Hurrain. Hurrain couldn't get into the game, um, and it was it was very good tactically. But wow, yeah, perfect cross, perfect header, perfect timing. Everything about the goal was pretty much perfect. Yeah, I mean Swansea were not great here by all accounts. I think many Swansea fans would happily admit that there weren't many chances in the game, but Forest had the better of it. And the fact that Fonz, Forest, Fonzie, Forest were the better team against the top three sides. Hey. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Uh, the fact that Forest were a better team against the top three side, I think, shows a lot about how far they've come under Chris Hewton. Yeah. Um, not too long ago, many Forest fans weren't too impressed with the progress they were making under Chris Hewton. But it's it's slow progress, but it's effective progress. And they are slowly but surely looking like a different side under Chris Hewton. And I think as long as Forest fans give them patience and the board gives him patience, then he can really take this Forest side places. And this is a perfect example of that. They're only getting better. Uh, the players are starting to really... Um, turn around their form and show that they are a team once again. Progress is being made, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I think 
this is a really interesting point. It's it's really hard not to like Chris Hewton. Like, yeah, you just have to love him. He's such a he's such a good guy. He's such a good manager at this level. So as a Derby fan, it's particularly painful seeing him charge a Forest because, <laughs> again, coming from a neutral's perspective, like I have to be on this, it's very hard not to really enjoy Nottingham Forest because they don't play sexy football. They're not going to play sexy football under Hewton, but... As we saw in this game, just defensively so organised. They cut Bournemouth out as well. They were the better team against Bournemouth. They were better, the better team here. This is a very good run of form. Okay, they've lost, but I'm excited for Forrest's future under Chris Hewton. Yeah, so am I. I really am. Uh, Swansea will just want to move on from this game, won't they? they? They will accept that they didn't play particularly well, but they got three points, and that's all that matters at the end day, isn't it? Another team near the top, well, near the top, at the top, who got three points was Norwich. They won 2-0 against Coventry, and it was a very straightforward win for the Canaries, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like trademark Norwich, pretty much. The, 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 the Pukie goal was... It's Pukie at his best, you know, in between the, the, the left-sided centre-half and the left-back, you know, zipping into that gap and finishing at the far post. Um, the Buendia assist, it was just good link-up play, good football from Norwich and, again, a fairly straightforward game. It could have been a, a win by a large margin as well and the thing that's particularly impressive is Coventry have only lost one in ten at home. So they've gone away at Coventry and, you know, it feels like the confidence is back. That that win against Stoke really has transformed Norwich at a really good time because we've seen Brentford, they've they've tailed off a little bit. Swansea is still are still um keeping the pressure on, but Norwich they're just getting on with business. They're just doing what they know what they have to do. Yeah. Well, I think Swansea can overtake them if they win their games in hands, but Norwich have just got to focus on their own games, haven't they? And they've got three very Nice looking games coming up, Justin. Rotherham, Birmingham and Wickham. They'll be hoping to get nine points from those games, quite frankly, won't they? And then I think they've got Brentford coming up after that run. So uh, this is an interesting time for Norwich. Coventry, I don't think there's much you can say. They were outclassed by a very good Norwich side. They're in the midst of a very tricky run of games, haven't they? And uh, the only, well, the, the good thing from their perspective is that teams around them aren't picking up points at the moment. True, um, but the the one thing that really irritated me was Carl um, McFadden's defending for the the first goal. I say defending; he got robbed. Basically, he's an experienced defender. You don't get the ball taken from you from there, and I imagine that is a, a, a massive source of frustration from Coventry fans because it was the first goal as well that that Norwich scored. So it's it's thing it's it's moments like that that are letting Coventry down. Um, naive moments like that, and it's yeah, frustrating. Just get it out. Get exactly. it out. Put it into uh, Rosette. Yeah. Uh, a Jao Pedro penalty was enough for Watford to earn a 1-0 win over Preston. Watford and penalties, Justin. It's the greatest love story ever told. The ninth penalty <laughs> they've scored this season. The most in the league. And at their current rate, are actually on course to set a new record for the number of penalties scored in a season. I mean, is there anything behind getting more penalties than the rest of the, of the division? Or is it just purely down to circumstance? What do you think? It depends. It depends who you are, because it, a Premier League fan, for example, will question a Man United favoured conspiracy that Man United always get penalties, and obviously Watford are the Championship um, variant Man of, 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 Man, of Man United. <laughs> variant. Um, I don't know. I try. It's really early in the morning. I'm just trying to think of words to put in there. To, it's to topical it anyway. Very, yeah. Um, but again, you know, Watford and penalties, Watford and playing crap away from home, these things are just normal. They, 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 they've become normal now. 
Mm. I suppose when you've got the likes of Saar in your team, you you are more likely to win penalties. But even so, th- this is a ridiculous amount of penalties. Uh, not much in this game. You could argue Preston deserves something from it. They had a couple of decent chances, mainly falling to Chad Evans, who in fairness has impressed a few Preston fans so far this season, particularly with his hold-up play. Uh, but still work to do for Alex Neal. Watford up to fourth. I kind of see Watford in a bit of a class of their own, Justin, because it's hard to see them particularly breaking into this top three we've got at the moment. But they seem pretty safe in the playoffs. So are they kind of just in cruise control at the moment? I feel very uncomfortable, you know, a team being comfortable themselves in the playoffs because that's where complacency sets in. I don't think they'd fall out of the playoffs, but, you know, your target's got to be the top two. Um is it possible, potentially, if there's a big drop off in the, in the top three teams that are competing there? But the, you know, the thing that's let Watford down all season is, is those away performances. Because as I said, they they weren't particularly great here. Um, I mean, they were nowhere near the the six nil win. That sort of performance, it was um, it was a fairly drab game, mm. and that uh, pretty much summed up Watford away from home all season. So I tell you what, the, the fact that uh, we say. They're kind of in a league of their own, kind of reminds me of Fulham last season when yeah, we thought exactly. they'd just be in cruise control for the remainder of the season and nearly bloody went up on the last day of the season. Right, Justin, let's have a break. After that, we'll have a chat about the relegation battle and the race for the playoffs. I tell you what, there's nothing I love more than a classic football shirt. I've got loads of them. A Juventus shirt, Marseille shirt, even an Antalya Sport shirt. One of the reasons I've got so many is because I can get them for a great price from ClassicFootballShirts.co.uk. They've got shirts for teams from all over the globe, and that of course includes championship clubs. So if you wanted a classic Wednesday shirt, Reading shirt or Barnsley shirt, whoever you support, they'll have something for your club. It's not just shirts either, they've also got tracksuits, baseball caps, socks, so much stuff. Have a look for yourself. Go to ClassicFootballShirts.co.uk right now. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. Right, Justin, let's have a talk about the relegation battle. And we'll start off with Birmingham, who are still in the bottom three after losing 2-0 to Millwall. One win in 13 for Birmingham. And judging from this game, there's not many signs of improvement, are there? No, Birmingham City were, quite frankly, terrible again. Mm. <laughs> again, name a better love story. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's... it's it's. Um, I can't imagine being a Birmingham City fan at the moment. It is rage-inducing, I said at the weekend, like how irrationally angry you must feel. Um, three minutes into a game, you go 1-0 down. And that was game over for me. Birmingham City are not getting back into that. Um, and they didn't. Uh, you know, credit to Millwall. They managed the game well. But the defending again, for the second goal in particular, uh, it makes, it's making me angry. I can't. Well, you said you said the second goal. The first goal wasn't much better. I think it did a no. good job of summing up Blues <clears> at the moment. Three minutes in, George Friend underhits a back pass and Jed Wallace nips in to tuck it home. It's... When you have a start like that, you just think to yourself, things are not going our way at the moment. Um, I do wonder what things would be like if the fans were at St Andrews at the moment. I think it would be a very toxic atmosphere, to say the very least. But at the same time, it might at least help get the team 
get their arses in gear or something like that. I don't really know. But Birmingham, I mean, I'm not necessarily calling for Karanka's head. Well, maybe I am. I'm not too sure at the moment. But it surprises me that the Birmingham hierarchy hasn't pressed the panic button just yet, considering in the past they've done it for a lot less. Well, the Gary Rowett sacking was entirely premature. And that's Mm. the one we sort of go back to, which is sort of the one of the big injustices in football, mm. apparently. Um, and then the Zola one, I mean, that should never have happened anyway, but they left that far too late. Harry Redknapp was very early. I, I'm trying to think of other managers here. Steve Cotter had a spell, didn't they, they, They've gone through a few. Yeah, I, I, can't, I can't believe I'm trying to remember them. Um, but for me, I, I've always thought that they've left it late at, at, at key times. And I think Karanka probably should have walked or... or they should have moved on from him before Christmas for me um, because you you look at performances as a staple and they haven't been there all season you know the first five or six games they drew a lot weren't getting in weren't getting ahead you know weren't also weren't being uh, weren't losing but at no point have they improved throughout the season they've just continually got worse and it's getting worse now. I didn't think it could get worse, but it genuinely is getting worse. Um, I think you said George Friend made a mistake. I thought it was um, Mikel San Jose, who's a Spain international. Oh yeah, it was. Um, sorry. Yeah, it's it, you know he's a Spain international, and you have got players like this letting you down. Are the players playing for Karanka? Are the players playing for Birmingham City? I don't know. They they need a change because this they're going one way at the moment. Well, the thing is, I look at Ito Karanka and I think to myself. If you wanted a manager in the championship to grind out results and really drag you away from a relegation battle, he would be one of those managers that you'd look to for that to happen. But obviously it's not, and things need to change. But is there any other managers out there who would be better suited for the job than Karenka? I mean, Paul Cook is someone who stands out, and if Paul Cook is the only real manager who really suits what Birmingham City need right now, then they better hurry up and sack Karanka because I'm worried he might go to Bristol City. Um, And then if you take Paul Cook out of the equation, then there aren't many other managers who I can really think of who would be suitable for the job that's uh, needed at Birmingham City right now. Let's quickly chat about Millwall. You mentioned Gary Rowett a second ago. Gary Rowett's (laughs) revenge. Um, Millwall suddenly doing all right, aren't they? Three wins in three. And they've looked pretty good in those wins as well. They have. They've they've steadily improved because again, at one point we were worried that you know they, they'd have to move on from from Gary Rowett because the performances were were getting to a point where they were, were really bad. It was a very long winless run, um, but it's been it's been turned around, and I think part of that is key players coming back from injury. We're looking at you know Matt Smith and Mason Bennett. They've added something different to the the forward line because at no point this season have Millwall strikers looked like getting double figures this season so having players like Mason Bennett come in and, and, and Matt Smith they change the dynamic a little bit and takes the pressure off everybody because they're both players with specific traits as we saw at the weekend um, and as well as that they defensively got organised as well which is which is good to see because it's a, I mean it's not hard keeping a clean sheet against Birmingham City at the moment but <laughs> defending wise they've improved massively over the last um, over the last few weeks apart from the, the incident of the weekend which was weird yeah eight points off the playoffs can't rule them out just yet, Justin. Uh, Wickham 1, Derby 2. Derby and out to 17th with this win. Uh, Justin, what did you make of the game? I thought it was the biggest injustice in football. <laughs> Bloody hell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you're not underselling it then? 
Oh no, this I thought Wickham were brilliant. Derby were terrible. Um, if Wickham had a, a touch more quality, um, they'd have won this game by three or four goals. There's absolutely no doubt about it. Um, Ik Piazzi was unplayable. Uh, he he was fantastic, and yeah, decisions wise as well. The goal that was ruled out in the first half of Wickham was miles onside. Um, the mm. the penalty, the second penalty incident was a penalty. You know, it's 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 unfortunate for Wickham because they play like that and they don't get the rewards for it. They don't get any decisions go their way. It's it's. It's actually quite quite sad. Well, what you've just said there is pretty much a good summary of Wickham this season. They're getting the team's faces, give them a, a game, more of a game than many fans expect, have a few decisions go against them and they end up losing. Um, that pretty much sums it up because that offside free kick was a shocking decision really, wasn't yeah. it? Um, Gareth Ainsworth said after the game that if they play like that, then they'll stay in the championship. He's ambitious. I don't think you can fault him on that on that front, can you? I mean, I'm I'm looking at the table now. Birmingham City are ahead of them. They're terrible at the moment. Coventry are, are dropping. Huddersfield are dropping. It's going to take a massive run of form. But you know, for me, Wickham are, are always going to have that level of performance because the character in that side is is miles ahead of quite a lot of teams in that bottom six. So I don't think it's a stretch, but it's certainly ambitious. I think it is definitely a stretch. I just think th- 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 there's you can't fault the character. I, I agree with you on that front, but I just think the quality is massively lacking in that squad. Ik Piazzu, though, I agree with you there. He really stood out. He, he had an amazing game. I think we can accept his finishing needs to improve, but in terms of other things that you expect from a target man then he was causing Derby all sorts of problems you know when you want a target man one thing you always say is you want him to be able to hold up the ball he was doing that brilliantly every time the ball just got flung up to him and he had no one else around him he was doing a brilliant job of just holding off Derby players and waiting for others to come into play and I think attributes like that will stand him in good stead for getting a move to the championship next season should and when dot, uh, Wickham get relegated. Um, so, yeah, he, he really gave a good showing of himself. He was causing a, all sorts of problems for Derby. He was a real thorn in the defence throughout the whole game. Uh, three winnable games for Wickham have just gone by. They beat Huddersfields, but they really needed to win at least another one for me uh, if they had any chance of staying up. So, I think on that front. I'm going to put them as down. Uh, a Philip Billing goal gave Bournemouth a 1-0 win over Rotherham. A very even game. Paul Warren will be gutted, really. That is, boys didn't get anything from it, won't he? Yeah, obviously watching the highlights after it, and I thought Rotherham, perhaps the slightly better team in terms of the chances that they had. Um, I, I was quite impressed with them, especially Richard Wood in the final sort of 20 minutes. He just turned into this forward flair player I think he, he played the ball into um, Ladapo who was offside but you know he had the, the composure to take the ball down and, and cross it into him and then he had I think he created another chance after that you know there's, there's your route out of relegation play Richard Wood up front um, he yeah they, they were really impressive here and we're not surprised because they performances wise they've, they've been the better team in that bottom six by a country mile um, perhaps other than Forest and um yeah, they're a team for me that I think, I mean, they've had a couple of back-to-back defeats actually, but they're a team for me that will be comfortably out of the relegation zone come the end of the season. 
Well, the thing you look at in the table is that they've got more games in hand than oh, yeah. most of the teams around them. So should they get those, they should hopefully climb up from the relegation zone and really create a bit of uh, a gap between them and the sides down there. I, I agree with you. I think when you look at those teams in the bottom six, they are the team who you'd say, right, they're going to climb out of there and really get out of danger, really. Uh, I think the relegation battle is slowly starting to thin out. We've seen Forest QPR climb away. It looks like Derby are climbing away now. And I'd be surprised if Rotherham don't at some point over the next couple of months or so. Um, another win for Jonathan Woodgate in charge of Bournemouth. We've seen reports uh, from yesterday that Thierry Henry is the latest person who's apparently going to be appointed. We'll talk about that at the weekend, Justin. But I just wanted to get your thoughts. What have you made of the job that Woody has done in charge? It's interesting. I've, I've not been convinced by them. Um, there, are, I mean, going back to the weekend against Forest, I didn't think they'd score in a month of Sundays. Um, coming to this game, I thought Rotherham had the better chances. So there's two teams that are in sort of the bottom, bottom six or seven, and they haven't played particularly well. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm not convinced by Bournemouth, um, but I think of the options available, I actually think Woodgate's the better option. Um, Dan Omri. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, obviously, we'll we'll talk about it at the weekend. But I just I w- I saw that come in, and I was like, don't make that mistake. Oh God! But that's all. That's all I'll say now. Yeah. Um, don't, don't give too much away, Justin. We need people yeah. to have a reason to listen at the weekend. <laughs> from what I've seen from Bournemouth under Jonathan Mudgate, I haven't been particularly convinced. I've got to say that they have obviously improved. They've picked up seven points from these three games in charge. I think, um, but I don't think they play particularly well in those games. I've got to say, definitely not as well as they were playing earlier in the season. Anyway, but that could be a factor from. The, the the runner form that they had, they were, you know, playing quite poorly. They're just coming out of that runner form, picking up wins. So we could see the best yet. You know, they they could still improve, which I think what why Woodgate's the better option at the moment than those that have been linked with the job because as far as managerial list being linked with the job, it is such an underwhelming list. Honestly. It's terrible. At least he's got championship experience, I suppose. Exactly, exactly. Uh, Stoke got the first win of 2021 by beating Wednesday 1-0. Stephen Fletcher getting the winner against his former side. A very one-sided game. A bit surprising considering they're almost at different ends of the form table, really, these two sides. Uh, Stoke will be wondering how it took so long for them to get the winner. <laughs> yes, I mean, I mean how it took so long to get a win in the first place. You know, it's their first win in nine games for, for Stoke. And you, you sort of saw that. Um, I think one one thing they've missed is is a player like Stephen Fletcher consistently. Um, you know, I don't think I didn't rate the signing because of his injury record, but he does have the ability to pop up and and, and put chances away when 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 the game's not not with you. Um, so yeah, I, you know, it, was, it was a fairly good performance from from Wednesday, but it's tight margins again for for teams at the bottom of the table that aren't going in, aren't going, um, going going with them. Puts an end to a terrible run of form for Stoke and Michael O'Neill will be hoping it gets their playoff push back on track. They're still not far out of it, considering they've not won a game in 2021. They're still right up there. Um, I think Wednesday's squad issues really shone through in this game. Going Going forwards, they lacked any real threat. And that has been an issue 
throughout the season really um, and put them back into the bottom three and Neil Thompson has still got his work cut out even though he's done a pretty good job so far Cardiff 2 Luton nil. Harry Wilson's goal tasty Will Volks' goal tasty but I don't think you'll find too many Cardiff fans who will think that a 2-0 scoreline really reflects the performance of the side well in what sense I, I, I thought Cardiff were good value for the win well, I think if you look at what Cardiff fans were saying, they thought they were quite lucky to win. You're not going to play teams off the park every week, but what what Cardiff have missed is that quality shining through, and they had that. You know, they they had that. So there are some points in in games this season where you've not had players step up, and Harry Wilson steps up. He was the difference in a lot of games for Derby when they finished in the playoffs, and you need him to be the difference in a lot of games for for Cardiff. Um, you know, trying to get into the playoffs, I, th- I think you take the win. You know, it's it wasn't a terrible performance, as I say. I think for a large portion of the game, Cardiff nullified Luton, which was the game plan. And then at some point, you are going to get chances. You just have to take them. I, I don't think it was a particularly bad performance, but it was it was one that kept them ticking along. Winning ugly, I think that's the old saying, isn't it? If you're still winning when you're not playing particularly well, then it's a sign of a good side. I'd rather win ugly than not at all. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, yeah, Luton, I thought, gave a good account of themselves. So we'll be disappointed that they didn't get something from the game. Middlesbrough got their first win in six games after beating Huddersfield 2-1. Duncan Watmore with a wonder goal, Justin. That was superb. Um, and he, he's got a fantastic record this season. this season. He has truly been one of the best signings of the well, of the season, really, because I was going to say summer, but he wasn't actually signed in the summer. He was signed halfway through the season, Monty. Um, but that was a fantastic goal. If you haven't seen it yet, really, I really urge you to go and search it out. The big talking point from this game, though, Justin, was Paddy McNair's straight red for... Um, I, I don't really know what it was for, Justin. He's gone in for a tackle. Seemed perfectly reasonable. I can't really see how it was dangerous any, in any way, shape or form. I thought he jumped in with two feet. Well, no, he didn't because his legs were like back. And he, the the only thing I thought was the referee might have thought going in with your knees is dangerous, but he was miles away from the Huddersfield player. So, Well, I, the interesting thing about the tackle is the referee gave a yellow card and then the linesman said, no, I something happened well I thought it was a two footed lunch the linesman might have seen the same thing though. I think the linesman changed the referees might so. well I can tell you Mr Warnock definitely disagrees with you <laughs> of course um, he does <laughs> at the end of the day it didn't really mean anything to the result because Middlesbrough still won and personally I'll be very surprised if that red card isn't overturned and Paddy McNair is back for uh, the weekend um, let's talk Huddersfield because it is amazing looking at the form table for them because something just seems to have clicked on the turn of the year and gone horribly wrong. In 2021, they've played eight games and have got just two points. However, I'd say this performance was better from their perspective. I think the interesting thing about Huddersfield is they're taking the lead in games. You know, they're not they're not out of games completely like for example Birmingham City are um, they are taking the lead and they are scoring goals which is a, a good sign but it's just that I th- I do think if they tidy up defensively and they stop making the same mistakes they make every week you know the, the, the form will pick up again um, 
uh, I think I think obviously Corbyn's the right man, but essentially he's been given Lego bricks to build a, a four bed detached house. You know, he's he's not he's not been given the resources that he needs to play his style of play effectively. You know, uh, looking at the January signing of Richard Keogh, which wasn't a bad signing on paper, but the guy's thirty four years old. Um, they could have gone for someone who was 26 in their prime, whereas they've had to go for someone a slightly cheaper option, um, which pretty much sums it up, I think, for the for the season. Really, I, yeah, I think if you give the man resources and give him what he needs, he will go out and make this team a very very good team. Uh, it's just at the moment they're in a, a poor spell, but they'll come out of it. Yep, just um, not far off the bottom three at the moment. Just five points separating them, but when you consider the form table. It's uh, very concerning. Final game of the midweek games, Justin, was Barnsley versus Blackburn. Barnsley made it two wins in two after winning 2-1. Barnsley, much the better side. Valerian Ishmael still very much got his eyes on the top six. It's it's interesting to hear that because, I mean, they dropped down to 15th, didn't they, the weekend? Yeah, they obviously went through a tough run of form, didn't they, where uh, they weren't losing many games. They were drawing a lot yeah. of games, but um, with other teams picking up results here and there, it meant that they dropped down by quite a bit. But now they seem back in form and very much back amongst the race for the playoffs. And it's the momentum. The momentum is the important factor because you look at Stoke, who haven't had it at all. I know they've won, but they haven't had it. And Borough as well. They they've had a poor spell. Um, and and Bonsley have had this run of form at the very at the at a very right at a very good time because. That that um, points difference between the teams that are above them has not, you know, expanded at all. It's not increased at all. You know, I say they dropped down to fifteenth, but it doesn't seem like it because they they they've just been playing quite well consistently. And I think Cardiff are the only team that are above them that have some sort of run of form, but they're only a point behind him. So yeah, I'm not surprised he's got the eyes on the playoffs because Barnsley are coming into a good spell at a good time with players that they've brought in in January coming into form as well which is a good a very good mixture yeah well only two points separating seventh and 11th at the moment it's very tight at the top but of course there is a six point gap between sixth and seventh and one of those teams who we thought could be in the playoff race this season was Blackburn who were looking very good what uh, three or four weeks ago and well we'll start off with the positives from this game Justin it was a lovely goal from Adam Armstrong ultimately didn't mean anything and that's about all the positives from the game from a Blackburn perspective because they were rather poor weren't they and it's interesting looking at Blackburn's social media because a lot of fans suddenly want Tony Mowbray out um, I think that's mainly stemmed from frustration that they're not in the playoff race as much as they were a few weeks ago and they suddenly seem to be drifting out of it after three straight losses. What What do you think? Would it be harsh to sack Mowbray or would it be the right thing to do to take Blackburn to the next step? Um, it's I, I I wouldn't want him. I wouldn't want them to sack Mowbray to get a new manager in. I think he's a he's just a really likable guy, um, and he, he's done really well with the young players that he's got. You look at Adam Armstrong. Uh, you know, he didn't look like he'd score 15 goals in a season, but he started doing that. He's getting the way well, he's had uh, at some point in the season. He's got the best out of Ben Brereton as well. Injuries haven't helped at, at points, but I think th- the only way Blackburn are going to get to that next level is to bring in a manager who 
can get them there. I don't think Mowbray's the man, but I also I think it would be disrespectful to sack the guy who has ultimately been the best managerial appointment since Mark Hughes, I think, which is it's, it's actually quite easy to say because at no point in the past 15, 15 years has any manager come close to making Blackburn fans happy. Well, he's got a decent squad at his disposal, hasn't he? But uh, uh, some, he's made some interesting decisions recently. Like dropping Harvey Elliott doesn't make much sense for me in any way, shape or form. Because apart from Adam Armstrong, he's been their player of the season so far. Um, he's got a big squad available to him, a very talented squad as well. And they're not performing to the standards that they should be. Bradley Dak coming back in, into the side, I thought was going to be the start of Blackburn <laughs> tearing into the top six, but it's not happened. And they're really, really struggling at the moment. I'm not sure whether sacking Tony Mowbray would be the answer. Um, as we've stated many times on this episode, for some reason, um, there aren't a massive selection of good managers out there at the moment, unless you take a punt on someone like John Terry. Um, But at the same time, if Blackburn do want to finish in the playoffs this season, then they've got to make a change, I suppose. Well, Justin, that's just about it for us on the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. We'll be back again at the weekend when we have a roundup of all the weekend's games and go through all the news from the past week in the championship. Justin, you got any plans before then? Um, I don't have any plans. I've got a new desk coming today. I had a dishwasher come yesterday. I've got to put that in. It, it, I, I mean, turn 27 at the weekend. Talk about adult things. Come on. The thrills of lockdown. There exactly. you go. <laughs> well, well, we'll give you an update, ladies and gentlemen, on Justin's new desk come Sunday. We look forward to seeing you then. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.